So I started browsing, I was like browsing these teacher groups on Facebook and I was watching teachers, I think it's all elementary, but I was watching teachers plan for their classroom decorations. There's all these posts like, okay guys, my classroom has one blue wall and one orange wall. And I'm trying to think of the perfect theme for my classroom this year. And I'm thinking, and then it's always like insanely complex. It's like, we're going to do journeys through the human body. And the orange wall is going to be a spleen. And the blue wall is going to be <laughs> air going into the lungs. And I bought 250 red balloons to represent red blood cells. And I'm going to put them in like all these like crazy in-depth classroom decoration plans. And it's making me feel bad because I've never decorated my classroom once in my entire life. Is that bad? Like, am I doing something wrong? Am I a bad teacher for that? There's no theme in my class. I feel like it's way more like elementary. Like when I was like teaching at the daycare that I taught at, uh, it was it got real intense. It was we couldn't share themes like people would be mad if someone chose the same like classroom theme as they did. It was some drama up in there about the classroom decorations or some classroom decorations like got damaged or like got stolen or someone used them without like, you know, consulting with the entire whole daycare first. It was like a big drama. I'm not sure what it is a lot. I was, I would do the decorations. Like I would put up bulletin boards and like decorate stuff and things like that. But like, as I became a high school teacher that like lessened, I just stopped kind of doing that. Okay. So do you decorate it? Like fire, do you decorate at all? A little bit, but the best decoration I had was I had a cardboard cutout of President John F. Kennedy. Okay. I remember that. I used to stand that up like outside the door or I would leave. I had a little like dry erase message bubble that I would write on there, but then it mysteriously disappeared, which is sad, but fitting but actually kind of fitting, you know? So <laughs> yeah. that was probably the best decoration I ever had. But this year we did a good job. There was a good like American flag collaborative project that I did that I'm going to do again next year. But it's tough. We get bounced around from room to room. So it's tough to decorate stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing as well. I mean, uh, you know, uh, this year I was in one classroom twice. Every other class I was changing rooms. So I, there's a less incentive to decorate if you're going to be switching rooms all, all year. True. I was in uh in my room. I did do like a little bulletin board. It was my Bad Bunny bulletin board. So basically, I put up a bunch of pictures of Bad Bunny, and this was this had no educational purpose whatsoever. It was just for me to be able to see Bad Bunny whenever I wanted to, and then put up like the names of the units that we do in world studies, which now I have to update because we're like changing it. But I think it's really creative, and I think it's amazing. Did the kids like the Bad Bunny board? They were, they, I think the first day, some of them who were like, oh, I'm a Bad Bunny fan too. We're like, oh my God, she's so cool. And then I think like towards the end of the school year, they started to be like groaning about it. They're like, oh, there goes Miss H with Bad Bunny again. But some of them were really into it. They're like, look at her with her Bad Bunny board. And I'm like, you know what? This is for me, children, not for you, <laughs> which is the opposite of what I should be doing things for. Yeah, I don't know if I would trust the students to choose the decorations, though. I, that, that's a little frightening to me. Yeah, you never know. It could be cool, though, but it could not be. You have to hit, give the illusion of choice, like give them the choice. That you can't you even trust them with their own coat name. That yeah, that's true. That's real. You know, I learned why Kahoot is so good, man. It's a Norwegian company. Ooh, the Norwegians. Yeah, some of my countrymen, basically, uh, they're hiring. And I was like, dang, maybe I'll work at Kahoot. But um, all the openings are in Oslo. So I, I don't think the commute is feasible for me. Although, Mid, can you do uh, remote work? Can you? You probably have to work at like two in the morning. Yeah. What time is it over there? <laughs> I don't know. What's a, let, let's do a quick uh, Bing search. Let's see. What time is it in Oslo? Did you what say Bing search? 
Yeah, I, I yeah, don't judge me. Okay. Yeah, a Bing search. What? That's, you know what? Don't worry about it. All right. Don't ask questions. Okay. Good morning, everybody. We are the Teach 4X Network podcast. I am Scott Fireisen, and uh, it is a wonderful morning here in June. Uh, I know a lot of us in education are having wonderful mornings in June. The, those two phrases kind of go together. So with us on this wonderful morning, the, the ray of sunshine, despite her yawning three times already, that's okay. Uh, it's so early for me. Jessica, how are you doing? It's so early for me. I feel like I've been going to bed late and waking up late. So I am just trying to get used to maybe putting myself on a regular routine. So I'm doing great. I've been working out a lot, doing a lot of fitness stuff. I went rock climbing yesterday, cleared some 25 feet walls, including these claws on my hands. So that was pretty cool because I definitely didn't think I was going to make it at times because I would grip the wall. Right. And then my nails would start to slip and I could feel myself falling backwards. So I'd have to like quickly move on to the next one or else I would fall back. So uh, yeah, summer's been going great. How about you, Eric? Greetings. You know, I, I'm quite frankly having a, a tough time lately. Uh, I watched the finale of Disney's Obi-Wan Kenobi series last night, and it's it's challenging for me to watch Disney and Lucasfilm run my favorite franchise into the ground. I, I thought the bar was set low originally with the Disney sequel trilogy. The bar continues to be lowered. So um, if I seem to have a depressed affect this morning, you don't need to call the school counselor. Okay, you don't need to to put in a behavioral health team report for me. Just know that as time passes, I'll recover from the travesty that has become the Star Wars franchise. And someday, once more, I'll be whole again, but not this morning. Well, uh, we're here for you, Eric. You know, I know that that's a lot. You don't have to shoulder this all by yourself. Thank you, you have a community here to support you because that's a that's a big deal. You know, it could feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, and then the weight of the of the Disney verse on your shoulders. That's that's a that's a lot to take on. Yes. The, the whole galaxy, right? Not only this galaxy, but a galaxy far, far away. That's Absolutely. a lot for you to handle. So before I start sobbing, uh, Scott Fireisen, how are you, man? Uh, I, I heard you were doing some golfing this morning. Yeah. Speaking of sad and depressing, I was <laughs> working on trying to be better at golf. So Jessica mentioned rock climbing and overcoming obstacles. And, you know, just when you feel like you're going to fall apart, you got to take the next step and move forward. And that's a lot of uh, that's very related to what we're talking about today. What we are trying to do over the summer to get better in our instructional practice. What are we going to be improving because it's a lot like uh, rock climbing, you know, if we're not uh, moving up and getting better, then uh, we're going to be getting worse and we're going to fall off the rock and nobody wants to do that. So uh, what are we all working on this summer? What do we want to improve in our instructional practice? Eric Johnson, what are you trying to get better at? Yeah, man, uh, I think it's really cool. As I look at our show notes, I, I see a distinct theme here, which is really exciting. I, I think we're all trying to work towards more of a student-centered classroom, and that's something that I really want to do a better job with this upcoming year. Uh, this is something we talked a little bit about in our pandemic episode when we talked about how teaching has changed over the past few years. But transitioning from last year, which was most mostly online remote learning to this year, which was back in person, uh, was really challenging for me. A, a lot of my work had been adjusted to be more teacher directed during the pandemic. And then coming back with the uncertainty of sort of how the things were going to play out post, well, not post pandemic, but trying to return a normalcy during the pandemic. Uh, I found this year my teaching was really 
teacher directed. And when I wasn't doing teacher directed stuff, like when it was time for the kids to do stuff, it was very independent because kids were really kind of struggling, I, I think, with group work, social stuff, uh, interaction, because we'd all been isolated for so long. So I just found everything I did this year really was either teacher directed or like student centered, but very independent. And I really want to change that. I, I think even if it's challenging next year, because a lot of times getting kids to do group work felt like pulling teeth this year. I think that's something we have to do. And, and we're going to have to teach our students and, and sort of reteach ourselves how to do this because I, I think I did a lot of like mediocre teaching in some ways this year because I wasn't super hands-on student-centered in my classroom. So I really want to change that. And I want to change that from the first week. I, I'm already trying to think about how the first week of SEL stuff I usually do, which is a lot of sort of me guiding team building, how I can make that student guided, which actually I think, Jess, you mentioned that you've done a really student guided first week of SEL stuff, haven't you? Can you talk about that? Because I, I want to steal that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the first week. It was like the first like day, actually, like uh, me and another colleague when we were first year ambitious teachers, we wanted to do something really cool. Right. And so what we did was basically like learning stations, like basically stations um, on the first day. So like it was like no like me giving a speech or me going over anything like it was literally the kids just getting into like these little groups. I just assigned little groups. I had four different stations. One of them was a like, you know, cute little questionnaire for kids to fill out just for me to get to know them better. Another one was they had to work with the other kids that they were in their group to come up with some class norms or like expectations on this big poster and they would write them down. Right. So I had a couple questions on a big poster paper and then the kids would answer them together as a group. Then I had them do little nameplates because nameplates is how I learned the kids name best. Right. So I had them create their own little nameplates and stuff like that and like look over the. And then the last section was like a little section with me and like talking about the syllabus. So since I was a first year teacher, I thought I could do like a lot of stuff in like the first day and then have something else for the next day. But I think this year, now that I'm more experienced and I have more time to think about how I'm going to execute this on the first and second day, I'll probably expand it so that way it's more authentic. It actually feels like, okay, we went through all this stuff, but we didn't go through it. Like just Miss H saying it to us. We all went to our stations. We did things. We talked about these things. And now I feel like that's a good way to start off the year if we want to be more collaborative. So I think I'm going to try it again this year too. And like, just kind of work out the kinks. That's cool. Because I feel like the first day for me is always literally me talking all day. And I, I do stuff with the kids where I like ask their names and ask them to share stuff out. But it's really exhausting. And by the time I climb in my car and, and flick on some Jimmy Buffett to celebrate surviving the first day, I, I'm like dead. So that learning station thing, ever since you first mentioned that, Jess, I've been I've been thinking about that. I have the protocol. I can send it to you. I just I have to look for it. Please. What about you, Fire? Did you feel like you were, were you in the same boat as me? Because I, I really felt like everything I did was super teacher directed this year. And, and I want to know if that was just me or, or if other people were maybe in that same situation. I'm in the same situation. I feel uh, much the same way. It was tough coming back from COVID, not knowing uh, what the guidelines were regarding social distancing or, you know, what really that was going to look like in the classroom. So like you said, it was defaulting to very teacher centered, you know, traditional uh, instruction because, you know, it was just another obstacle in working together in those groups and, and that social collaborative learning. So I definitely want to work on that this year. I'm going to focus on the physical space, the classroom environment, the actual seating arrangements in the classroom. Uh, I feel that the physical space is going to dictate whatever it is that you want to do in the classroom. 
So, you know, arranging that in a way that uh, is going to facilitate all that collaboration that we want to see. And like you said, that's got to happen from the first day because I found last year, you know, shifting gears just isn't going to work. You're not going to halfway through the year, like, okay, now we're sitting in these groups all the time. And like, that's not, that's not going to work. So an issue that we have, of course, is that we share classrooms. So that's something that has to be kind of agreed upon by everybody who's going to be using that classroom all day, which can be uh, awkward. Right. And th- this is, I think, a logistical thing that I think, you know, we have non-teachers that listen or, or even teachers maybe in very different school contexts that are listening. And uh, there's so many logistical pieces to this kind of thing. It, going back to when we first came back after COVID, like you said, this idea that nobody was really sure how socially distant our classes were supposed to be. You know, I had teachers, I saw teachers in our building literally measuring out like the three feet. I don't think they could have made six feet work, but I saw people measure out and try to set up the dis- socially distant. And then other teachers were like, well, we're here. And they just put the tables in groups. I thought I was going to be one of the people with the measuring stick. I kind of just gave up. It, it, it became almost, I, I couldn't even wrap my head around trying to do all the COVID safety stuff besides wearing a mask because it was challenging enough to kind of come back and get everybody back adapting. But then beyond sort of adjusting from that context, like you said, at our school, most of us are in a different room almost every period to, to some degree. And I think that's something non-teachers and, and even teachers that are lucky to have their own classroom don't think about is we have this constant push and pull with the educators you share the classroom with about things like, you know, whether it's simple as decorations, like we talked about at the start, or something as big as that classroom arrangement. What if there was a school mandated classroom arrangement? What if they said, you know what, all 10th grade teachers are going to have groups of three within their classroom? Interesting. I think I'd be fine with that. I've never felt strongly one way or the other about the group seating or the classroom rows or like the theater style sort of half circle that some people do. I, at the start of every school year, when I roll up, I just defer to other teachers in the classroom. I let them set up the room. Uh, I, I release that from my cognitive load. And then I just roll up and make a seating chart when someone else has arranged it. So I don't really care. Uh, I don't know. Jess, do you have a preferred seating arrangement? No, I think like, as you said, like we don't really have our own classroom and since I've been so new like I definitely don't get my own classroom like you know newbie gets like five different classrooms so I've had to deal with like five different like classroom arrangements and like who am I I only teach one class in there so I'm not about to change up the whole arrangements and do a bunch of stuff so I'm I try not to think about it too much like you Eric I'm like oh well someone's gonna do it and it's their classroom because they teach mostly in here so I'm just gonna come in here and just do my thing but I really what I do is I usually utilize other spaces in the building like our media center uh we have like a media center that has like one a viewing area so that's really cool because it's literally a projector and like chairs right so when I do like whole class discussions if I feel like the setting like well I just do it for all my classes to be honest because I feel like it's easier one I don't have to go around rearranging stuff and then putting it back together at the end of class I just book the media center go in and then I get to just have all the chairs and students get I tell tell them like put yourselves in a circle let's do a whole class discussion or if we're viewing something then I'll just do like a, a viewing session I'll put the whatever we're doing on the board the kids will arrange themselves with the chair 
chairs or also the media center has like the, the tables, right? So if I want them to do like group work of, of fours and stuff like that, I just book the media center and book those tables because they're easier than having to rearrange someone else's classroom, arrange it again at the end and just think about it. Cause then I could just stay in one place all day. So that's kind of what I do to kind of like offset that weird classroom arrangement and kind of use other stuff in the building to kind of like eh, help me out. But Jess, you're really onto something there in the productivity space. Cause I obsess over all this personal productivity stuff. They talk about the power of context switching and how your space really uh, reflects and connects with the work that you're doing. And so when you tell the kids, hey, we're going to have a class discussion and we're going to the media center viewing room to have that discussion. I actually think that's really helpful in shifting their mindset to help them prepare for that discussion. I talked about the that, that book, The Extended Mind, I've been reading, and there's a lot of power to adjusting your physical space when you're changing activities. You know, uh, uh, for example, just in my own life, I, I edit the podcast at the dining room table. That's like my, my editing, my work zone. I actually really hate my desk. It's not productive for me to work at it. I used to play games a lot. And, and this space actually for me, my office here is usually for fun. It's usually for playing video games. So this is not a workspace for me generally. So taking your kids from one space to another to reflect the change in work that they're doing, actually, I bet it's really helpful to them. And I bet you have better, more productive outcomes in those lessons by moving them in spaces. Yes, because one time I honestly did. So like I'm thinking about like my fourth period that I had this year, which I did a lot of whole class discussions when we were in the media center, like out of this world, like they were very student led, like there was always conversation happening in the like Socratic seminars that I did. But then there was like once or twice that like I couldn't book the media center for some odd reason, right? Like it was booked or they were doing something in the media center, like testing. And so when I did that, just like, okay, well, I guess we'll just stay in the classroom and arrange it. It'll just be a one time thing. I felt like that the students weren't as engaged. They weren't as like they normally were. So I definitely think that there's very much value in like that change of setting when it comes to like educational things, like you mentioned, Eric. So I'm curious, and this is slightly tangential. I'd love to hear when you guys are doing work, say teacher work at home, what is your work space? Like fire, when you're working at home on teacher stuff, where is your go-to like work spot? At my desk. Where you're at, at my now? desk? No, no, not where I'm at now. This is my my philosophical, more reflective space. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking at my desk right now. So, but that has like my desk chair, my Mac from 2010, because nothing says get let's get work done like a, like a desktop computer that's 15 years old or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that's my space. But I agree. I, you know, you. It's not like uh, I'm not a sit up in bed with my laptop person no. or on the couch or anything like that. So that definitely is where I'm sitting and focused to do my work. What about you, Jess? What's your like work spot in your home? I feel like it's uh, it's probably recently my dining room table because I feel like, I don't know, like you're right because if I'm here in my room, I will just look at my bed and go lay down and then get nothing done. Like that's literally what's going to happen. I'm going to be like sitting here typing away. I'm going to look over and be like, man, my bed looks mighty comfy. And then I'll go sit down and take a nap and then nothing gets good. Yeah, the big thing for me, Johnson, is my attire too, like my clothes. If I'm wearing sweatpants, like I can't be wearing like pajama pants or something, you know, like I got to at least put on like something actual attire that I would be okay going outside with or something, you know, something's got to signal my brain that it's that we're not lounging. 
I agree. Yeah, there's so many, there's all this stuff that we sort of signal to our brain and body that it's work time, right? Uh, I'm the same. I, I have a hard time. If it's like in the morning, I'm in my PJs, uh, work ain't getting done. I got to hit the shower, you know, throw on the teacher flannel. And then, yeah, for me again, it's sit at the dining room table, you know. Actually, I used to work at this desk, but what tainted this desk was uh, the year of remote learning. Sure. And for me, that was such a, I obviously we made do and we did the best we could, but that was overall such a negative experience and I would leave this desk so drained at the end of the day. This desk is like tainted for me. I, I can't, I mean, I do the pod here because that's the most convenient place to, to record, but otherwise I, I can't work at this anymore. It got ruined. I got to buy a new desk almost. It's like an X, right? This is like, I got to throw this out. Uh, I got to talk to my therapist about this desk or something and, and take some time to move on, listen to uh, uh, some Taylor Swift and say goodbye to this desk. One more desk to burn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I didn't mean to derail. I just, I find that really interesting and, and Jess that that really activated me and and I think I'm already interested in 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 using like better seating arrangements in my class like you mentioned fire but then also maybe finding ways to leverage like shifting that space around or even maybe having kids move around in the classroom like utilizing this idea of stations just finding ways to help students switch context in class you got to have that stuff ahead of time you got to let the kids know like okay tomorrow we're doing the blah 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 walk around thing because even still there's kids like oh my god we're walking around today yes like, yeah we're, that's what we're doing so yeah i um, tell them like i don't care get up come yeah. on let's go well because you bring that energy miss h you bring that right especially like, with these nails oh if i right. have these nails during the school year it's right. over for these kids these kids and are you, not knowing right. them you point to the bad bunny board you're like look at bad bunny looking down do you see on that you. do you see my how manicured nail pointing at this right now like you need to how can you not participate in the gallery walk yeah yeah right <laughs> I'll, or I'll like go like full, like, like, listen, listen, <laughs> like just oh my clacking God. my nails everywhere. That's frightening. I, I would be scared. I feel threatened. <laughs> it's my best teaching practice. <laughs> yeah, fear. Right. But yeah, the question is, would you participate in the class discussion? That's the question. And yeah. the answer is yes. Right. <laughs> Here's another one then thinking about uh, the sort of context switching and the weird seating arrangements. As I was reading, I, I'm going to keep talking about this book, The Excited Mind, because it's what I'm reading right now. And she was writing uh, about these university professors that teach their seminar classes walking around and the value of walking to stimulate conversation, create a more casual atmosphere. And I don't know if high school students could handle that, but I think it would be fascinating to try holding some sort of class discussion. I, and I don't know, this might be too crazy, but just sort of doing a walk or even kind of just taking a quick walk with everybody before class to sort of get the juices flowing. You know, we do the gallery walk movement stuff in class, but why not utilize our giant school? Take 10 minutes, do a walk together, casually talk about whatever class content you have and then roll back in and, and get studious. You know, I, I think really we're not meant to just like sit hunched over desks, you know, sweating and working. We're supposed to kind of move around. And, and I don't know, any change of context, I think could be really cool. I like that. I like that like small, I, cause like one of the practices that I guess I want to reflect on for next year and improve, right. Is like my small circles in conferences, like those small, like interactions between a small group of students or like me with small group of students and stuff like that. I feel like that's something I kind of struggled with this year. Like one, because of the COVID stuff and two, because I just felt more, more uh, prepared and more natural with like whole class discussions. I feel like I was just more focused on whole class. And I think there's a lot of value 
value in small class discussions where it's like where those students who do not feel comfortable like talking in the whole class can actually voice their opinion in a smaller setting right and I'm thinking now that you said that Eric because I do love being active right I would love maybe like grouping the students and having them just like walk around the school and come back and I think that would be kind of like very beneficial because then it kind of makes that more natural like conversation come up and it fosters like those relationships in a different way so I'm kind of thinking about it now and I'm like that would be really cool right because then some kids also feel nervous when they're in these small groups that like oh someone's gonna overhear what I said and then if we utilize our space by like helping the kids do that walk around through the building I think that would be pretty cool but I guess we'll just have to see how the logistics go with that yeah even if it was just in one hallway where you could keep an eye on them uh, I certainly see at the start of the school year teachers often take their getting to know you activities in the hall so they have more space and so I think it would potentially be feasible hey uh everybody be in the second floor hallway you can spread out a little bit you can move around it's got to be in this hallway I got to be able to see you but sort of wander back and forth chat amongst yourselves about the class topic it would make it easier for you to sort of wander from group to group and facilitate I don't know it could be like crazy hippie teacher stuff but I I think this idea of trying out unique contacts and and moving around is is super interesting it might be fun to monkey around with yeah it's not hippie teacher stuff I you know the the data is there the research is there the the sense is there you know flexible seating or, or just being able to move around like you said move around and work and be productive being able to marry those things is um you know what it's all about but then the logistical stuff like you said we're coming off a year where everybody was complaining about kids in the hallway and now you want <laughs> and now our solution to collaborative learning is let's drag all the kids in the hallway you know so that could be problematic <laughs> yeah i wish our classrooms were bigger as y- y- yeah y- how nice would that be? Because I, again, I, I'm looking at these teachers posting their classroom decorations and a lot of these teachers have like, this is the cozy corner and this is the stimulating uh, right. physical object behavior corner. And they like right. have all the space to like have these cool stations. And it's like, bro, I'm lucky if I can put up one poster that a kid from another class with a different teacher is going to tear off the wall. But it would be so nice if we had big classrooms or giant shared spaces even. I, I don't know. I think There's just so much stuff that would be cool to try if we had a better space for trying stuff out. We should give up our office space. Oh God, no, no. That's something we're very blessed to have, Scott. I, you know, I <laughs> I know. That's unbelievable. There's so many schools where the teachers don't have their own desks. And so the fact that we have those is, is truly a blessing. Well, they have a desk. It's just their own lap that they use their laptop on in a stairway. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize how good we had it until uh, we hosted the debate league tournament, like the end of year tournament at our school. And a teacher from another school, we were helping him find the bathroom or something. And he was walking with me and my co-coach and uh, we passed through our office. And I was like, oh yeah, let me just grab something at my desk real quick. And he stood looking at my desk with just the deepest and saddest of envies that I've ever seen in a person's eyes. And he's like, this is your space? And he's like, yeah, man, it's it's my desk. I don't know. Sorry, it's kind of gross. There's like a dead mouse under it or whatever like it's not it's it's not a beautiful space but it was so much more than what he had available to him and i realized that as much as we complain about some stuff uh there's a lot of things that we have pretty good that's so disturbing because our workspace is not good no No, it's sadly not. You know, we're in this, the, our building is a relic of the 70s and it, it is certainly not beautiful, but it is definitely a, a higher bar than what a lot of people have access to, which is a shame. I'm going to chain myself to the futon in case everyone tries to take it from us. I will protest if everyone tries to take our stuff from us. <laughs> 
But that's an interesting thing to think about as we talk about trying to situate our students in interesting seating arrangements and leverage independent and student-centered learning and create unique and diverse learning contexts for our students. That's something that we as teachers deserve just as much, right? If we're going to be going out of our way, say next year, because I'm, I'm seeing this theme here that at least on the Teach4X team, next year we want more student-centered stuff. We want the kids in groups. We want to be moving the kids around, trying all this cool student-centered stuff, shifting context to enhance productivity and learning. And yet us teachers, we have it pretty good. We've got our own desks, but that's still it. We have our desks and our futon. How valuable might it be? How would productivity or teacher morale change if we had better spaces to work? Yeah. I mean, there's just too much dead space, you know, as, as both of you saw moving stuff around, helping me out, there's just too much dead space, like space that just isn't being used for instruction or for plant like it's just dead you know yeah and that's not good especially when we're in a building that's overcrowded so that's how you end up with like our situation where people are stacked on top of each other and then over here it's it's like boxes of stuff of you know old printer cartridges and like well that that doesn't make sense <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because I think this in a way, and, and this is a call to any administration out there listening, I, I think this is something maybe the bosses just don't think of, right? I, I don't, I'm not thinking our administrators are like deliberately giving us a bad workspace. I just think the demands of being a school administrator and the things they have to think about are so extensive and so different. I, I think it's probably been a long time since any principal has even thought about improving the physical workspaces of teachers and students. Yeah, that's why to all you teachers out there, just start throwing stuff out. Just <laughs> just do it. Please. If you're looking at a room and you're like, oh, this is gross. Someone should throw the throw this out or someone should clean this up. You're the person to do it. Just do it. Yeah. Just and then you'll be a hero. People are yeah. as me and Jessica saw, people are like, wow, you're doing a great job. We're like, uh, all we did was yeah. clean up this mess. What <laughs> And while they didn't throw out garbage. Yeah, yeah, we just threw out garbage and people were like, oh my God, wow. <laughs> But that is something to brag about. You guys should really, you know, that's, uh, we should have had a whole episode on this, but Jessica and Scott and uh, our department office spent, I don't know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, throwing stuff in our department office out. Uh, fire dragged in an old couch that materialized from somewhere. And you guys did a lot of work, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a lot. And our space was transformed and people were extremely jolly about it. Yeah, I mean, if that's a lot of work, I'll I'll tell you what, other people I'll do that stuff and then other people could do like the unpacking standards work. How about that? Can we can we set that up or I'll just do oh, that? Yeah. I, I felt then, like it was a workout trying to like move everything around, like bunches of books. I would actually just start doing squats with them. Like every time I found some new books, I'd be like, Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you we did see the, the we do have the teacher Olympics where I do power cleans with a ream of paper with a box of paper. Yeah, and Chromebook cart races coming up, you know. Correct. Correct. Very exciting event. This is the Teach Forex Olympics. So <laughs> uh big plans, big plans. Yeah. So be speaking of big plans, we got a lot of big plans it is you know we've been here for a while i think we need to go make these plans happen so jessica why don't you bring us home all right thanks everybody for listening once again uh please rate and review on spotify and apple podcasts if you would like to get in touch with us you or ask us a question you could do so via spotify or shoot us an email at teach4xcontact at gmail.com yay all right thank you everybody you're the best see you later thank you bye everyone
Theme music is Bossa Antigua by Kevin McLeod. You can find this at incompetech.filmmusic.io using the filmmusic.io standard license.